0: You have entered the 13, a place where real stories about music, touring, and the beyond are told. Music does something to us. We all experience it in our own way. It can affect our senses, transport us through time, and release emotions. On this podcast, we will talk with people about the power of music and the beyond. What does the beyond mean? Let's find out together. Turn on your metronomes because this time is about to be tracked. Welcome to the Thirteen. I'm your host Ryan Thirteen, and on today's episode, we have Andy Black Sugar. You might know him from KMFDM or Blondie, Black Sugar Transmissions, maybe even uh, one of your favorite bands. He happened to play guitar—a guitar solo on it or something. The dude collaborates with everybody; he's fantastic. Uh, all of his links and stuff will be in uh, the description below. Of course, like usual, uh, we filmed this episode back on, I think it was October 25th. Um, so again, I'm a little late to the party getting this done. I really couldn't wait to get to this conversation with him because it's we have a great time talking. We get to talk about gear. But duh, you know, I love talking about gear. We get to talk about music. Duh. Well, there we go. Duh. And we get to talk tour stories. That's even greater. And, you know, I got to ask that beyond question and we'll see what, you know, where that goes. Uh, Just get ready, get in here, go grab yourself some iced tea, a beer, uh, uh, something to eat, a sandwich, or if you're driving, just settle in. This is a fun chat and I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Thank you. And here's the episode. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. I'm going to try to make this quick. Okay. Um these things can be
1: boring, you know. I, like- um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I moved to New York City in 1996. Um I have been here ever since. Uh, I've been a musician my entire adult life. That is pretty much my whole adult life. Um and um you know, uh my my background is basically kind of suburban Philadelphia area. Uh, Conservative parents, Um, but but nonetheless, um, you know, pretty supportive um, of of my my interest in playing an instrument. Um, They bought my early guitars and amps and stuff. Very supportive in that way. Not thrilled about the whole thing, not thrilled about the kind of music I was into, not thrilled about the potential pathways to sin Um, and uh, Satan worship and and drug abuse and, and death. But, um, you know, eventually I think they realized, eh, seems like he just wants to learn how to play something really well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so kind of grew up on metal and hard rock and then kind of got into uh, post punk pretty heavily, you know, that realm sort of starting in 1979, going through the 80s with, you know, uh, The Cure and, and, Susie and the Banshees and Pill and oh, yeah. Jesus and Mary Chain, the twins, et cetera, all the way through shoegaze. That's a really important ingredient in my, my guitar playing. Um, so I kind of started out with like riffs, like yeah. just playing Iron Man and things like that. You know, obviously uh, Smoke on the, Mar- on the Water was the first riff I learned on a on a guitar. It didn't play it right, but um, it was close enough that it was exciting to me and made me want to keep, keep playing the thing. Um, and uh so yeah like the riff thing from metal and hard rock mixed with you know i quickly got a taste for the virtuoso stuff i loved the whole van halen and post van halen world um and uh but then you know the the post-punk thing is almost an anti-virtuoso ethos there isn't really soloing there isn't anything where uh, it's, it's ostentatious or flashy. It's all very kind of textural, but there is some amazing playing in there anyhow. I mean, all Robert Smith and Daniel Ash and John McGiuck and Johnny Marr, and all those guys are, are really great guitar players yeah. that have ferocious rhythm hands um, and very inventive with parts and sounds and creating a tapestry out of different parts. So it's not so much like, The almighty riff, like in Black Sabbath or Van Halen, where it's like there's one guitar playing the riff and that riff is the whole totality of everything. It's more like, you know, like if you listen to Fascination Street, it's a bunch of little intertwining riffs, guitars, keyboards. Um, The the bass riff, of course, is is the elephant gun riff in that song. (laughs) But all the guitar parts are these painterly little interweaving things um and that was just incredibly powerful for me and um so that that's the kind of music that made me want to be a songwriter it's just sort of creating these worlds these textural worlds you can get inside of and uh and electronic music uh, was the other major major influence on me just as uh just just from a sonic point of view a production point of view made me want to Make my guitar sound unusual, and and find unprecedented sounds, and and just try anything in terms of how uh, music is put together. Love for electronic music, you know. Starting out as a heavy metal snob, I kind of originally looked down on music that's made with like machines and programming and stuff sure. like that. And right. then the post punk bands. Made me realize, wait a minute, I actually love synths and drum machines and stuff, you know, New Order, Depeche Mode. So that was a real quick gateway to Chemical Brothers, yeah. uh, Underworld, you know, Autacker, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Just the whole, you know, um, music made with samples, uh, music made with programming and and severe editing and, and just manipulation of sounds was really um, inspiring to me. And that really affected my guitar playing, but also my production style. I kind of love the idea of just being able to do anything and and not be stuck in a raucous world of like, everything's got to sound like an organic band. Um, So, you know, like my music is sort of a a fusion of of live, very human stuff, like not auto-tuned vocals, um, real guitar playing, sometimes other real instrumentation keyboards drums mixed with a lot of very very synthetic programmed in the computer elements and that's just to me the most exciting kind of couple of worlds to straddle where um it's uh sonically it's sort of neither here nor there it's sort of uh just taking exciting elements from different places and bringing it together i hate music that is all just gridded auto-tuned just lifeless i I hate that more than anything but i love machine music up to a point i think you know when you think of um new order it was like yeah they're using sequencers they're using drum machines but they've got peter hook playing these bass lines these melodies you've got bernard sunder's voice which is very flawed not polished at all and his guitar playing which is very human so that that to me is like that that kind of template is sort of what's really exciting
0: yeah to me. i was watching so, uh, i think he did something um, with guitar world the other day because i tried to do a little study and uh, last night when i got to the hotel room and they were doing doing a tour of your gear i love gear talk by the way i saw some cool stuff we'll get into that later but i saw what you were doing with your setup there where you've got you know you've got this awesome fuck, what was that a sully raven that you're playing yes yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, We'll we'll talk about that later i want to talk about the frets but that's something else um but like you've got this great i don't know how to it's like you the the way you're gonna have to manipulate that would make me i don't know i just don't know those pedals but i was like watching you work those things i was like holy cow this thing's this is great look what he just did and you're doing like the reverse thing but you're using the the tuner to swell it up and, and then take it all the way back the reverse that uh yep i can see it this is cool man
1: <laughs> yeah well that's a, sort of coming from that world of, of like um, wanting to do things with the guitar that are not trad rock guitar yeah. kind of tropes. And, you know, I got to give credit that we call that the stun knob on my guitar. I, this is the guitar you're talking about right here. But basically yeah. all we do is we take the tone knob and we make that. Oh, it's a little loose. Um, we make it an expression control for my eventide h9 pedal okay and this is a stereo output so it's just a regular uh i don't need two outputs coming yeah. out of the guitar it's just a tip ring sleeve i mean right now i'm just i don't have it set up for any of that stuff but yeah,
0: just noodling yeah
1: so a tip ring sleeve goes into a, a splitter one end of the splitter goes into the expression pedal input of the h9 pedal and then this becomes my controller so instead of having a pedal on the stage that you would do volume swells or echo repeats or any of those kind of things i'm just doing it from the guitar and that wasn't my idea so i can't take credit for it it was um joe waltz who's one of the designers of even Tide pedals it was his idea and i was the guinea pig for it and he installed that mod on um my super strat that um I had built about 10 years ago. So I've been I've been working with this this idea for 10 years now and it has become like completely a part of how I play now. And I can't live without it.
0: (laughs) So now every
1: time I get a new guitar, whenever Sully, you know, in, in this case, you know, he he just made me this guitar and we had to somehow get the two of them in touch so that the wiring could be described to John and John could and he did it perfectly it turns out and was able to get me this guitar like five days before the KMFDM tour but uh yeah it's pretty it's a pretty cool it, it might seem convoluted but like i have just completely it's become a part of the whole thing for me
0: that's you know? fantastic man that's awesome yeah when i was watching that um whatever gear talk or guitar world thing which everyone should go look i'll put a link below it's super it was a super cool and it's not very long it was like you went through your gear really fast but yeah. what I didn't see was I didn't see any amps. Are you just running straight out of all those pedals or? No, It's had...
1: going into the, the Atomic Amplifier 12, which is an amp modeler.
0: Okay. Um,
1: it's, it's like oh. a, you know what I mean? It's like a, yep. a, an Axe Effects type of thing, but yeah. it's, it's a, it's a stomp box and it's about this big so uh the whole thing is contained you know the the axe effects thing i remember when it i'm plugged into one right now um but originally the axe effects was like you had to have it rack mounted and then have the special foot controller to yeah, go with it right and it was a little complicated it was like a seven pin midi cable which is hard to find and um the Atom- what atomic did was they kind of took the modeling of an axe effects and just stuck it into um, this this really sturdy thing that's self contained that's just on the floor. Okay. And that works really great for KMFDM because it's pretty much always just a a crunchy high gain sound. And um, and uh, it, it's portable and I need it to be portable. And so you know I I use different things for different gigs. So sure. In Blondie I'm using a old school Marshall, 800, uh, not 800 a 2000 half stack. Um, when I do gigs in the city, I play through whatever's there at the venue. Right, for sure. You know, so you know how it is. It's like you just get used to playing through whatever is there and you just make it work.
0: How was the tour? Because J-Rab said he had a lot of fun, but I guess it might be his last one. I'll have him back on the show uh, later to talk about that. But, uh, he says sounded like you guys had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I know. I mean, he, you know, they were driving around in a a much more humble vehicle and he was sleeping on that vehicle. And that's no picnic. Um, For us, uh, I I would say it was a triumph. I mean, we, we, you know, basically, we had two days of rehearsal and then we just got out and just did a sprint of, of, um, unfortunately, we had our first not our first show, our second show and third shows canceled because of the hurricane in Florida, which is right. where we started out. Okay. Other than that, it was pretty much um, three weeks of just nonstop shows. Um, oh, wow. So it was uh, it was tiring. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, the KMFDM thing that's always been the way they've rolled. And my first tour with them was the same way. And was I was that in two
0: thousand Seventeen,
1: it was 2017 it was already five years ago um yeah but obviously some things have happened in between i don't know if you've heard um that have prevented bands from oh, touring yeah so um, that that thing <laughs> yeah so uh yeah i kind of like that playing every night though i mean it is draining sure. um but i i love the momentum that you get from that and you know w- with with this particular music, it's really, it's a challenge for me to play it. And I want to just keep getting better and tighter at it. And I've got all those effects cues, as you saw. And
0: yeah.
1: there's so much stuff for me to remember, so many balls to keep in the air. Um, so I, I, I welcome just playing every night. And you know, the last show of the tour was the best one for me. I played the best. Nice. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't make any stupid mistakes. And I was like, okay, now now I'm ready. Let's keep going. But um, it, it was great. Uh, KMFDM is an interesting band. I mean, if you know KMFDM, you know. And you look out there and and you see this crowd of really diverse people with a really wide age range. Oh yeah. Um, and it's very joyful and it's a lot of fun, and it's just it's got it's sort of um.
0: Hi, Hyena was the 22nd album. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I just I never even thought I mean I listened to KMFDM when I was in high school and then a little bit. I I just I guess I dropped off and not on purpose. It just kind of they um I don't know. I don't know what happened.
1: I went I, I, I know. I, I know what you mean.
0: I started like listening to periphery you, or something and
1: right. You so, sometimes you just move on especially if uh, if it's a band that keeps the is sort of like reliably making a new record every year or two years after like a couple of decades you might start taking them for granted and decide Mm -hmm. i I want to listen to something else now i mean motorhead was like that i did it with slayer Um, absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. i mean Um, i think carrie king even said well the reason we're popular is we made the same record eight times and then after i heard that i think after god hates us all everything sounded the same it's like we're nine inch nails right now i'm like okay i get it you know how to plug things into other things
1: (laughs) right right yeah i mean the thing about you know the cool thing about not you know the the kmftm but the time i've been in KMFDM is five years is that we've made four albums in that time so i really really love that work ethic because i'm a very prolific music maker myself and yeah. so we did uh after that the first tour i did with them was a just a last minute like crash course learned the set in like a week flew out no rehearsal did the first show sold out metro nice
0: um,
1: and uh but it, it went well we hit it off and so we, we made a, a live album from that tour which was my oh,
0: cool
1: inaugural tour and then, uh, you know, we've made two studio albums and one remix album also in the last year. And the remix album, you know, I contributed new guitar parts to that as well. So I've been very deeply involved in the creative process for the last five years. and I, I really value that because a lot of musicians that play with bands are just kind of hired guns that yeah, show up. studio the musicians. Yeah. They're yeah. not part of the writing. It might not even be part of the the, the, the studio aspect of it at all.
0: Well, know? I need to I think I need to dive back into KMFDM because I started listening to hyena today and uh, I hadn't before because I didn't even know it was released. I, I figured something had happened, but because you guys were going on tour. And I guess I should have put two. I've been working a lot, forgive me, but like I, I should have put two and two together and been like, there must be a new album out. But so I started listening to it in all 41 and the what is that rock and roll monster i just immediately i it felt like kfd kf kmfdm but it also felt diff. it felt very different in a really good way and i want to yeah. get through i haven't got through the rest of the record but i i'm going to and, yeah uh like i'm actually stoked now because i didn't know you were on that much i knew you joined the band in 2017 but i didn't besides that i wasn't sure like how much you were able to contribute to everything. So now I'm excited because I was watching you shred on YouTube last night, dude. I was like, Holy crap, this dude's badass!" (laughs) Well, I mean, the thing is that,
1: uh, we're tour, we, we just toured two albums because the two studio albums that I just played on came out in the last five years when there was no touring. So it was paradise and hyena. So we played in our set, we played nine songs from those two albums. So it's pretty, A pretty heavy amount of new stuff um but yeah i mean sasha immediately brought me in as uh he he wanted me to be a heavy contributor he likes that he likes collaborating and kmfdm has always been a big tent kind of thing with a lot of guest musicians and and that keeps it colorful and fun uh ie or eg i should say (laughs) uh rock and roll monster with ocelot rapping on it oh yeah yeah. and you know we've got um we've got a couple other guest vocalists on hyena it's fun it's it's like a industrial rock zappa or 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 it's like um queens of the stone age you know like queens of the stone age is kind of josh but then he brings in all these contributors oh, yeah. that make it interesting.
0: You, know? you watch that documentary where they're like all out in that studio out—I don't even know where it's, it's like somewhere out in the desert. Yeah, I need, I need to rewatch that because that was so cool. They do some cool stuff out there, man.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's just it's just like a laboratory for creativity. Um, without Wi-Fi, I would
0: guess. Uh, yeah, probably, just probably nothing <laughs> out there. Yeah, it probably is good, man. This stuff gets these things these things get distractive Distractive, oh yeah like way too easy i kind of noticed that like recently i'll be at work and then i'm like looking at the looking at the phone you know not doing my job don't kill me job but it it's just like oh crap i gotta put this thing away it's way different now with us having screens being available to us at any second you know, it's yeah. so so it's one, it's great because we can all communicate at any second at any time. But two, it's like my attention span has gone to shit. I had a guy today at work say, I watched your podcast on YouTube. And I was like, oh, and he's probably going to watch this too. And I was like, yeah, thanks, man. That's badass. They're really long. <laughs> Mine are like an hour and 20 minutes long. You know, I was like, actually, they're kind of short compared to normal people's. Like I watched a little bit of you on uh, what was that couch, couch riffs or something. Couch riffs and like that's what a fantastic idea that is but those are two hours long and i'm gonna finish i can't wait to finish watching that one too
1: yeah um i i just watched a couch riffs um interview with whitfield crane uh last night because mike squires he is couch riffs yeah he's the interviewer. he's the guy he just toured with them this year and he also toured with peter hook in the light Okay. so um he's been doing some really interesting stuff, but yeah, he's a great interviewer, conversationalist and podcasts are long form. Uh, right. Because we need long form stuff. Like we need things that actually we pay attention to for two hours. And that's what I love about it. You can put it on. You don't have to watch it necessarily. You can just kind of like, you can just, lie down and look at the ceiling and listen to this thing. Yeah. I'm glad that podcasts are long, you know?
0: I'm glad that I have more listeners on the RSS feed than I do watchers because then all the watchers, you know, all the listeners can't see this ridiculous mustache I'm sporting right now. But like, <laughs> <laughs> like but all, you know, all the listeners can imagine it. Like think I'm trying to do Zappa without being able to achieve it. oh yeah
1: (laughs) of course i see it now yeah well
0: no it was an accident i had a goatee and shaved a little too far that way and uh you know you got to work with what you got sometimes you had to correct it yeah yeah so uh, it'll be back to normal eventually but uh i think so you and i have met briefly i think a couple of times and always because of doug (laughs) pennock yeah Uh, and so and i think j-rab thought that you were my buddy jess who you look very similar to he's also into industrial he's the he has a band called drev but he he lives in um boston and works at berkeley and uh so i think that's why the i think that's why he was like i thought you always got andy on the guest list i was like i don't think so man no. i remember meeting him
1: <laughs> well my my memory is that i met you guys in 2008 at irving plaza yeah okay right because king's x played with extreme that year
0: yeah that's true so I was, that, I was on that tour
1: okay so that's where I met you guys but that was then and i haven't I hadn't seen j rap since then until okay. this tour that we just did
0: how random was that
1: I know well yeah exactly it was it was pretty wild um and but the King, the Doug Penn at King's X thing is uh is a really cool it's a really cool way to know other musicians because you know that they know how great King's X is. And there's like uh there's just like yeah, they're a, the a musicians valuing. Band. Yeah. I mean, they're one of my favorite bands. I've probably seen I I've definitely seen them more than any other band. Uh,
0: well, me too. <laughs> sure. Just pure, you know.
1: Yeah. Occupational tech. hazard. Right.
0: Right.
1: Um but yeah, so I knew, but I knew Jerry first. I mean, I, okay. I met, I met those guys, just being at their shows, being a fanboy. You know, I had chats with Jerry and with Doug. Um, They're always so approachable and easy to chat with. And um, Jerry, he lives in Red Bank, New Jersey.
0: Yeah,
1: and many years ago. Um, he and his girlfriend at the time who's his wife now julie they they and some of their friends and family would come up and see my band play so i started seeing jerry in the audience at my show and i'm like what are you doing here um so he, he was a fan and so we had some other friends there was another band called bully i was really good friends with them we were all king's x-band so when jerry wanted to do some solo shows he basically roped us all in as his live band nice it was a three guys from bully plus me
0: oh wow i didn't know that
1: yeah we didn't do many shows i think we did like three local shows okay Um, it was all stuff from his first solo album and then when he did the second solo album we were all very deeply involved in the making of that album okay Um, anyway so a- after that whole situation that was around 2005 um, you know I-, I started properly hanging out with King's X like on the bus and stuff and that's how I got to know Doug and I asked Doug to sing okay. along my tunes and nice so and I know he's you guys collabed with Doug too
0: yeah um, he did he got on our and sang our entire record because we lost a singer and he was like I'll sing on it <laughs>
1: Whoa! Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, he's just the best guy. Like he, he's he's so generous and. I'll tell you one thing:
0: like- I was the bass player in that band, and going on tour with him for in support of that record, playing bass with one of the bass, best bass players on the planet, in my opinion, was yeah. like, am I doing everything all right? Because I'm a guitar player at heart, man. But I played bass right. in that band. <laughs> right. Well. That's cool. I'll show you this. This is
1: this is a fairly recent acquisition.
0: Ooh, I know that. Wow, hell yeah, yeah. that's great, dude. Man, strung some of those up, but I'm bumching. Strung some up. Anything? Nobody. The uh, strung, Doug strung some up album. had to throw that in there oh strum some up yeah i love that record that's great dude he just read he just i was talking to him on the phone not too long ago and he was like so we're gonna release that on vinyl and i was like okay and he's like and i redid all the drums i was like what do you mean he's like and whatever program he used to do i like i know he used real people but like you know the program that i don't know makes the drums sound better whatever the like they used to have big fucking drums or B BFG or whatever and uh-huh. that type of thing. Like he changed it all up and he's like, and I changed it to so and so's kit and it sounds fucking huge. I don't have it yet. I haven't heard it. I have to take his word for it. But that's so
1: in other words, he's just he's just like uh, triggering a yeah. sampling kit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and Superior
1: Drummer tune track. That kind it, of thing. it
0: may it may have been Superior Drummer and like when he made that album it was a certain version and then now they have the new one and he could change things out and he said it sounded so much bigger wow I, i'm gonna have to get one because i don't know but i believe you know if he says it's bigger i used to hang out in his studio in when he lived in Katy, texas when i was in college and i just sit there and watch him mix the albums and stuff and i mean god damn we'd sit there for hours watching, listen to him Fuck with the snare drum. I'd be like, I think it sounds better now. He'd be like, Yeah, I think it sounds better now, too. And we like three hours later, and then the next day he comes back and he's like, actually, it sounded great. The first, you know, yeah. exactly how it <laughs> was originally. We we messed that up. So wow. I miss that type of stuff. That was a good good times, man. He's a good dude. i he was in my wedding. I've known him. Wow. Yeah, I've known him for I don't know, 20 years. You know, because of King's X and because of Touring with them and learning all of this type of music and, and meeting new folks and whatever—it's—it's cr- it's changed me into like I would like to a, a better consumer of music than I was because I would get elitist, like you were talking about before. Like I was elitist with metal at first, and I knew Doug then. Then I branched out, but I was then I was elitist, and it was only metal and only industrial you know and and then things kind of change as you get older now i'm listening to old country old outlaw country stuff like it's going out of style some of them chicken pickers are crazy oh yeah and you know i don't know life is life is uh life is cool you just got to let it be cool you know
1: well yeah i mean there's some there's no reason to like deny yourself whole universes of music out there like why would you do that
0: yeah i don't know but, um, but we do
1: <laughs> yeah i i just think that everyone has to listen to whatever they need to listen to at whatever point in their life that speaks to them but like to just yeah. categorically shut out a whole genre and and just decide that you're not even gonna go there right is you know you're you're doing yourself a disservice
0: absolutely 100 and i mean i'm only just now starting to learn that uh, but, like, I mean, golly, a kid in high school, you know, if there's any kids in high school listening to this right now, like, listen to everything. It's okay. You can keep wearing your metal T-shirts. But, like, you know, listen to everything. Don't let them call you a poser. I
1: think, I think that people need to be brought in in a way that's really exciting. Like, it, the tribal thing is because – Everyone, like when, when they're teenagers, whatever, they have to have their identity. And sure. if you're just listening to everything, well, then what's your identity? You know, I have to have a team and I have to be, uh, it, you know, it just gives you an identity. It gives you like yeah, a look.
0: Okay.
1: It gives you a, a group of people that you can hang out with that you agree on, you know, uh, your favorite bands and all that. But, you know, there's no telling... A 15 year old to just like hey l- listen to everything man like because it's not what they need what they need is is uh and, and i think that's changed a lot like i i think that because everybody has access to the whole history of recorded music
0: Well, oh, that's true
1: that people don't really care so much about about um you know just that tribal crap anymore My the kids that i know like i teach guitar lessons and i yeah. do have kids that are you know they don't they, they don't really care about genres okay. um um one thing that is surprising though is that all of them are into classic rock and and stuff that was made way before they were born which is fascinating to me um i don't know i i sort of wish they had i, I wish they could have their own new music that's just for them and they could go through that whole thing of just rejecting uh their Everything. parents music yeah. because I, I don't know that that's a really potent thing to have as a, a teenager your own thing that that is happening right now that's for you but hey you know as long as there's an interest in music that's that's the important thing and i i'm you know i'll have a a, a 10 or 11 year old that wants to learn how to play acdc tunes yeah you know it's just bizarre to me like
0: <laughs> i mean you got to learn the fundamentals too man i mean get get down to it when i was i started learning i had to go to a guitar teacher to shout out to chad iveson um and i think i was 15 years old and he just said all right i can sit here and teach you chords and, and i'll go over that with you but, but what do you want to learn I was like, I want to learn how to play One by Metallica. He was like, okay. <laughs> and he set out on that. I had no idea how to play the guitar. I mean, it was fine because that beginning, that beginning riff is easy as shit, but like, not to a new kid, you know, not to a kid who's not inclined to necessarily pick it up because I was not, uh, I do not believe, obviously, that's why I'm not doing music now is because uh, you know, I was just kind of okay at it, but like, that i mean i'll never forget and so this must be a good feeling for you i've taught a couple of kids just the beginning stuff but like when you see the light turn on and they're like holy and and it's because you taught them a piece of their favorite song or whatever they wanted to play you know and then later when you go into fundamentals and stuff after they actually understand i don't know how you teach so i'm not yeah but like you know, then once that then they start seeing this stuff click, and then it's a the puzzle pieces are starting to be put together. And, and yeah, then, then you can start talking to the. And I mean, that's got to be a really cool feeling. I I've only ever done that with a couple kids, and we didn't get very far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know that like I, I did take some early guitar lessons, and it didn't it didn't really work for me because sure. the guy didn't really. Uh, relate to the kind of music I wanted to play and he's trying to teach me sight reading and that, that just made no sense to me whatsoever because right. I could listen to songs and figure them out up to a point. Yeah. So I was like, why do I need to introduce this whole other step where I have to learn this weird arcane like type of notation in order to, <sighs> to learn notes that I can just hear and find
0: directly. Right. Like, like, Okay, so that's these nice are the circle story. of fifths. No. yeah exactly (laughs) exactly what the fuck are you talking about yeah it's just sort of like how does this
1: relate to me like i just want to learn how to play this this song that i really like so yeah i mean the way i the way i do it is keep it centered around songs that the kids want to learn and drop the the knowledge around it so like and, and it doesn't matter whether they remember it or not but this song's in the key of e this is why and i'll just Give them a little bit, but the important thing is they're learning it and they're starting to see how these systems work. And um, it's not super important that you know the theory and all that stuff because I didn't. I didn't learn that stuff until yeah. later. But um, I just try to drop it around the the meat of the lesson, which is like, yeah. let's learn these songs. This is how you play them. This is the kind of vibe you want. This is like. Um. Uh, you know you teach them technique palm muting and like yeah arpeggios and glissandos and those things that make a, a riff really like pop um and then you know you, you gently tell them that this happens to be in the key of a minor
0: yeah you know?
1: and this is an a minor chord and this is a g chord and that's ain't talking about love so you yeah. got like two chords it's in the key of a minor it's and the rest of it is just learning the technique to make it pop and and you know give it the attitude that it needs. So, yeah, that's the thing about like rock guitar is there's so much of it is, can't be written down. it's it's the sound, it's the attitude, it's like the just the intention of it. and oh yeah, uh, the aggression or the non-aggression or whatever, you know it's, it's just uh, stuff that can't be really communicated on. uh, standard notation
0: yeah or even in tab like i mean like sure. i remember buying again metallica was like my favorite band when i was in junior high i still i still like them but like you know like the i bought all the song books you'd go to like guitar center or whatever and they had that whole section where you could buy the entire album of tab and i yeah. would sit there and take it home and i'd learn all the songs and I'd be like, why doesn't Harvester of Sorrow sound the way it sounds on the record? Well, I had to learn. I wasn't palm muting in certain places correctly, I wasn't phrasing things certain right. And like that, that book may have told you about it, but as a junior high kid, you're kind of skipping past all that. I just need to know my fingers go, dan, 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 dan. you know. <laughs> and- I mean, when
1: you think about like how much notation is needed to tell you not only the notes, but all the techniques that are required, right. You know, like when they say a picture tells a thousand words, it's the same thing with a piece of music. Uh, You listen to it and all the information is right there. You go, oh, that's how it's supposed to sound. Now I need to just make my hands sort of, you know, do that. And I don't know, for me, all those kind of techniques, muting and all that stuff just came naturally from just having the guitar in my hands. At some point I realized it made that cool sound when I rested my hands my yeah. my my left hand in this case, my picking hand on the strings, I got that chunky sound. Like, oh, that's how that happens, yeah, you know? Right. Um, so I don't know. It's I I just it's weird being a, a a teenage musician because it's like you're impatient, but you also have like so much overflowing enthusiasm for sure, it like absolutely. you you want you want to just get great and l- learn your favorite things even though they're way out of your reach and oh,
0: so you're yeah. not
1: patient you're not taking the the, the steps that, you know the logical set of steps that would lead you to playing one or whatever but yeah. um but you know that's it, eventually that's... you 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 uh you learn like the discipline later I guess mm. after this just really messy impatient you know early time
0: i think so i when i got yeah the first thing i talked to my guitar teacher about was our after one i was like all right now i want to learn how to play slayer and he was like okay hold on (laughs) you know like we're not we're not going straight to slayer you're gonna wait we're gonna (laughs) we'll play one and we'll play inner sandman but we're gonna hold off for a little bit and you know years went by and i started teaching myself after i had a couple of i had another guitar teacher adam flint what's up buddy and um you know i started and adam flint was very much more into the musical side of things and had a whiteboard, and would like write things out on the whiteboard for me to read and tell me he'd still teach me all my favorite songs but he'd be showing me like hey this is what this is in and this is what and he got really theoretical with stuff which actually kind of worked out as I went into college and had to take music theory and all that other it helped me set up to realize that I was going to go on tour with King's X and never come back to college. Um, but that's uh-huh. a different thing that happened, but, um, you know, the, I just remember I was 19. I'm living in Austin, Texas and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to get anywhere in this state, it's in this city. Cause it was the live music capital of the world at the time, or at least that's what we like to say. And I was like, this is the place. This is where I'm going to meet the bands. This is where I'm going to do things. And it turned out to be where we recorded razor 13 stuff and all that other crap later on. But I made myself a, uh, a magazine and it was a weekly magazine. I called it the rock star. Cause I had that much, you know, 19 year old gusto that, this was going to be how I, the steps i had to take the things i had to learn to get into a a band that was professional and i mean and it was a bunch of like just forcing myself to learn scales and learn chords i couldn't make my fingers do you know right. and and it was so much fun and then it it did lead to other bands and other opportunities and, I do think that you're right. Like starting out at nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, you just want to know everything right now. And that might be a reason why people stop. Cause you're like, ah, I don't know everything. Yeah. So how do you combat, or do you have to combat that when you're taught with your younger students? Like, well, Hey man, you know, let's learn this little riff and you might not know the whole song today, but next week we'll teach you the second half and then they come um, back unpracticed. Don't know the song.
1: Yeah. I think, I think uh, most, most of them are, they, they get it. Um, I guess if a student just drifts away and doesn't re-sign up for another batch of lessons then they've just lost interest or, or, or patience or whatever, Yeah, it's weird because, like, everyone's got a different amount of, like, natural aptitude for it. And if you have a lot of musical aptitude, then it's just like, I mean, all you need is you need to water that tree a little bit. It just, like, explodes.
0: Nice. And
1: if you have a very little uh, amount of natural talent, then you have to work a lot harder. So some people are really, really enthusiastic and not that talented, but they they get places because they're just so excited about it. And they're not they're not like uh thrown off the, the trail because because it's hard or it's frustrating, or whatever. They just they just work harder. Um so there's just all these different degrees of those two things, you know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I got a whole list of things I wrote down last night that I haven't not even really talked about. And I think I'm going to get to them now. If you're cool. with um, One, one is your Patreon. Cause I watched you make a video about your Patreon and I fucking, I was like, me and this guy are going to be friends. Cause it was, it was hilarious. Like you're like, you'll for just 0.3 cents a day, you'll get <laughs> shirt of the day. And I was like, Oh, we have the same personality or at least the same sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about your uh, your Patreon. Um, you've got different tiers. Is that still a thing? Yeah. So like I could send you 200 bucks and you'll write me a song and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. And that shouldn't be a one-time deal also just for everybody listening. That's just, that's a one-time
1: expensive. deal. I only do it once. Yeah. But yeah, typically it's just uh, you opt in for one month and then you, you renegotiate for a lower tier lower tier yeah or maybe you just you just bail entirely but yeah it's been really fun doing those like i started doing them a while back even before patreon okay and it was really really fun it's it's just it's always funny um it's a really cool creative exercise and people get a kick out of it but uh Yeah, I mean, basically, aside from that, there's three tiers. There's the $3 a month one, which is basically like I write a newsletter every month. I share sort of updates of whatever I'm doing musically. Um, Four track flashback, I think, is in that. Yeah, I wrote that.
0: Yep, right there. Wrote that down. I love that. I love T shirt of the day, four track flashback. I love that because I've got those. Cassettes piled up. And you just, I like. I don't know what yours is like, but like, you go back and look, like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, I digitized all of my stuff, so oh, cool. I just upload uh, MP3 or WAV files, so yeah, so it's easy enough for me to do that. Um, t-shirt of the day is just sort of like because you know we all have millions of t-shirts, right? right? So you know, I would talk about in this case Ms. Neon, who's a friend of mine, um, and and hopefully turn some people on to uh, an artist. They didn't know about, um, the $10 tier, uh, includes all that stuff. Plus I do a, a video every month. It's usually 15, 20 minutes long. Okay. So it's sort of like just a compilation of whatever I had been doing that month. So next month's video is going to be all KMFDM tour. Sure. Um, you know, and, uh, if there's uh, any kind of recording stuff i was working on i'll break down aspects of that gigs um it, it's just open it's really free form and creative and i kind of make them arty and i make i always have like sort of uh, environmental shots of, of wherever i am at the given time and and you can see the seasons changing and all that yeah new york city and Shots from the subway and stuff like that. Um, and then the top tier, aside from the two hundred dollar, I'll write a song for you. One is the thirty dollar a month, and that includes everything I just said, plus a completely new, exclusive, new song every month. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, that's cool. So you're really writing stuff. I mean, you ain't messing around.
1: No, not, taking not- any
0: time. Not taking any time off you're coming home off the road and probably getting right back at it. And I saw an interview. I don't know if it was the couch riffs one or, or not, but you were talking about it may have been, no, it was with somebody else. And you were talking about how like during the pandemic, having all this stuff to do just kept you busy. Unlike most of the rest of us, like, like lost their damn minds, <laughs> you know, yeah. sitting at home all the time. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, that was I mean 2020 was like a real prolific year for me recording wise just because of the pandemic. It was it was supposed to be a heavy touring year for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but uh yeah, I I I personally released or played on 13 albums that year. Oh wow. So there was all my stuff. There was Black Sugar Transmission, um you know I, d- I did like a three album trilogy that year which i had planned to do anyway before yeah. the pandemic i covered garbage's first album in its entirety i did oh, three wow. three albums of random cover versions instrumentally with my buddy adam playing bass under the sheer velocity moniker that's my all instrumental stuff um i was on jason beeler's record um nice and uh And KMFDM in dub came out that year. So, yeah, 13 albums all together. And yeah, it was it was was just it it was just a creative challenge to me. Like, what can I do this month? It's also a way to make money because people people were showing up and buying these things. So it it would bring in a little bit of extra cash. But it was just a creative thing. Like, how can I make this more interesting? You know, this time I'm stuck inside.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One of the, uh, man, see, like I got, I turned 28 and I'm throwing myself in here cause this is what I like to do. I think I'm a narcissist, but I don't know. Um, but the, uh, anyway, like the whole deal is I turned 28. I came back from Europe with King's X. we have been gone for a month or something and I had no money. I came back with 60 Euro cause you spent it all on tour, right? You're out there, you're having fun. You're in Europe. It's like my second time being in Europe cause I went twice with King's X. I came home. I had a girl I really, really liked. She told me to keep going, keep playing music, keep doing my thing, a couple other band prospects. But I was like, man. So I joined the oil and gas industry and that ruined everything. But that's not a, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just took me out of this world and what we're doing right now. And that's why I thank you for coming on and why I have, I mean, had all the guests I've had is this connects me back to it and we get to talk about tour stories and all kinds of crazy stuff and i get to kind of live vicariously through you for at least a second so since you just got off of a tour anything crazy happen that you can talk about um anything crazy happened or fun or funny or did was there long running gags or you know how tours are
1: yeah i mean there. my favorite long-running gag was our, our lighting guy james is sort of a you know grumpy by nature kind of guy <laughs> um he's a massive KMFDM fan he has a KMFDM tattoo on his calf nice he's the guy responsible for this insane light show that that we have which is such a big part of the whole thing badass um but he's he's kind of a curmudgeon <laughs> So our, our our merch guy, Ocelot, who's the guy that raps on Rock and Roll Monster, yeah, um, he was doing this thing where he would surreptitiously take video of James, uh, you know, um, you know, so waiting in the hotel pool alone, or you know, sort of wa- walking along, pulling his uh, suitcase behind him with his mohawk, you know, and yeah. he would make he would put. That Sarah McLaughlin song on top. <laughs> the one, the one about the one that was in the animal rescue yeah, yeah. or whatever. The sad uh, one. And, and that in the, was, ar- was, in the
0: arms of the angels or whatever.
1: Well, 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 Ocelot would always find James in a like a pensive moment somewhere by himself. And he would just shoot him and then put this song over it and post it as a story on Instagram. And oh, it was great. Just so incredibly funny. Um, that was sort of an ongoing gag. There's not a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, you know, it's sort of like a family affair because Sasha and Lucia, the two singers of the band, are married, and their daughter is always on tour with us, and she has a nanny. Um, it doesn't mean that people aren't swearing, yeah, yeah, like yeah, sailors, but like, um,
0: it's a you different know, vibe. It's a different. There's vibe. no
1: nobody's nobody's doing blow or you wow. know i mean there's you know the i would say like the the wildest thing that happens is people some people get stoned and some people get a little drunk but well that's nobody how likes th- nobody likes to to recover from being drunk you know
0: yeah uh, that's how that's hard how to they,
1: sleep as it is you know uh,
0: true that's kind of how the uh i mean that's how the king's x bus was i'm sure still is you know the or, well, I don't think they do buses anymore. Um, but when they did buses, when I was with them, they, uh, yeah, the show was over. They had a couple of glasses of wine, smoked a joint. Everyone went to bed because your day started. Well, mine, my day started as soon as we showed up to the club and had to load in, and get everybody ready for sound check the next day. But, you know, yeah, I haven't, I don't think I even ever toured with a band that did anything super crazy.
1: So I, I really like I actually really enjoy like just a relatively I, I, I think everyone should should be laughing as much as possible and should be having a great time. But. I also like getting rest and I I like uh pe- people being respectful sure. with each other. Yeah, I don't know. It's sort of like, uh you know, this, the same thing with Blondie, like it's pretty sane, you know, uh it's not wild um, Yeah, everybody has a really good time but um my favorite memory from all the the blondie runs that we did this year was we were in the UK and we were on one of these stupid buses where it's a double decker yep oh yeah it's not you can't stand up all the way in either level and so yeah. but you know it it does allow for people to sort of spread out and go to different places and just do their own thing after this so people would generally do that on the bus and we would be we wouldn't sleep on the bus per se we just kind of like drive to a hotel
0: was your double decker like the ones that had so like the kitchenette and bathroom and whatever were downstairs driver was downstairs Uh, the the thing i called well we called on the king's x tour the aids box because they didn't have a refrigerator it was just like a fucking Nasty. It was not a, the box wasn't nasty at first, but we put all our food in it, and there was no way to keep it cold, and it all got ruined. And we started putting gaff tape around it to uh, keep it shut because it was smelled. Then you go up the stairs. Then there's a back lounge this way, bunks are this way, and then kind of a front lounge thing over the driver. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Floor.
1: That's pretty much it. I mean, this was a brand new bus, so the, the refrigerator situation was, yeah, was a sad. lot better than what you're describing, sure. but it wasn't it wasn't like a proper refrigerator, yeah. you know? Um, but, you know, so people would generally just go do their own things and just disappear into their phones. Um, but one night we all sat there, the whole band um, and watched the hangover Two.
0: Oh, nice.
1: <laughs> and it was just like, you know, it, it, you know, it's just the, the kind of movie that everybody can just laugh at. And- Absolutely. Yeah um and just unwind after the show kind of thing
0: that's great but
1: uh yeah i don't know for me the highlights are just the shows and and just the you know the the in jokes and just the i i just to me it's like on tour everyone should be laughing as much as possible you know and you know the drummer in kmfdm is a british guy named andy selway and he is just the most relentlessly quick and raunchy uh, quipsmith all right, <laughs> of like anybody I've ever met. Like he is just like a fountain of comedy and okay. it's impossible to just not be in stitches whenever you're around him because it just never stops. So, you know, and everybody, everybody laughs a lot in in that entourage.
0: One of the people's laughs I love the most is Jerry Gaskell's and my buddy Al Shire has hit down to a, a a key, like he's got it down pat. It's when Jerry's had two or three glasses of wine. I don't know if Jerry even still drinks anymore, but Jerry 50, 10, 10 years ago. And I I can't, I'm not going to do it, but it Al can do it really well. And it's, infectious because when jerry starts laughing you want to laugh too even if you don't think what he's laughing at is funny right <laughs> like, right i love that dude he called me on my wedding day he wasn't able to be there him and julie weren't able to come but i saved the message on my phone and you know it's near and dear to me i I like i go through and delete all these you know all the messages and there's like four or five saved on my phone that'll never be deleted and that's one of them because he's just a freaking sweetheart and Julie's a sweetheart too, and you know Ty's uh, great. Ty's a great guy, though. Those guys are good, and they all like to laugh. And I think laughing on tour is a perfect, perfect thing to say, man. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, because um, like I said, it can get really grim it can. out there. Um, but you know, I I can't complain. Like I I think the level of touring that I'm at now is relatively cushy i can't you know it's not like j-rab was sleeping on that um in in, in that that um what is that is that a splitter van
0: it might sprinter yeah whatever a a sprinter yeah yeah Yeah. oh Um, man yeah that would suck those are only good if it's just you and like one person like i watch a van life person kate and whatever i don't know some famous youtubers and they do it they have this whole thing but they got a whole big bed in the background and it's nice and comfy but it's just those two fitting a whole band in there seems a little daunting
1: right yeah um yeah and the blondie thing is just like there's a day off after every show everyone's yeah, in great. hotels nobody's sharing rooms it's business class flights you know it's it's cushy there's catering yeah um it's it's like you know there's there's no there's no complaining about that kind of tour you know
0: so i was watching your youtube channel and i obviously you do a little bit of video editing what do you use to do that with
1: uh i used um for the longest time i used uh adobe premiere yeah but um it just kept uh it kept crashing on me i don't know if my my computer can't handle it or whatever but um um i started using filmora okay which is you know a little bit more of a consumer grade kind of thing which is fine for me um but it doesn't crash it does everything i need it to do i'm not making a movie or anything i just need to put the stuff together and make it make it look decent
0: I'm going to write that down. Uh, I've, I've been kind of jumping around trying to figure, find new stuff for me too. Cause I have another YouTube channel where I do that dumb stuff that everybody does like eat the hottest pepper on the planet or whatever. And videotape me dying. I think it's fun, but the, <laughs> uh, you know, but sometimes you need to uh, just the software isn't as great all over the place, but I don't want to spend $500 on software either. You know, I'd want to. Right. I want to find something cool. Um, I think, I think
1: filmora is 30 bucks a year.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's pretty reasonable. And considering I, you know, I use it all the time. It's, it's well worth, uh, it's well worth that.
0: Um, When you got the call to come to KMFDM, how did it happen?
1: Uh, Doug Wimbish called me. Do you know who he is? I don't. Okay, you should know because. Um,
0: Why does that name? Sa- his name up. sounds familiar.
1: Yeah, you should look him up. He's uh, a, a sort of a world-renowned bass player. Um uh, I he's should. Been, he's been in Living Color since the '90s. Oh,
0: never mind. I know who you're talking about.
1: Um, but he played with Mick Jagger and Jeff Beck and Lauren Hill and everybody under the sun. He was yeah, on all yeah, the really yeah. hip hop stuff from New York City, Sugar Hill Gang, oh, yeah. Curtis Flow, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Flash.
0: Yeah, I, I know who you're I know who you're talking about. I got so right he's that. he's
1: old friends with Sasha from KMFDM. Okay. So when KMFDM really needed uh, a US based guitar player on short notice, Sasha called Doug. Doug asked Vernon, Vernon Reed from Living Color, who's a oh, good yeah. friend of
0: mine,
1: I gave my phone number. And then next thing I know, I'm on the phone with Doug and Sasha, and we're talking about making this tour happen. And I agreed to do it. And I, like I said, I had a week to learn the songs. Had to cancel like six shows in New York for, for that month or whatever. But uh, that was it. That, it was really nice. a weird mix of serendipity and also uh, I would happen to be a, a big fan of KMFTM already so I, I kind of yeah. knew the at least the, the the kind of world that I was going to be stepping into and so that was that was how I got the KMFTM gig
0: I love that that's great do you guys do you know the dudes in 24 7 spies yeah well I know Jimmy Yeah, i know jimmy everybody knows jimmy yeah (laughs) i love that guy he's so nice
1: he is really nice i just saw him at the king's x show a couple months ago
0: oh okay right on yeah yeah Yeah. he's so cool what inspired uh this is crazy town i can hear you i can hear the influences in that by the way like i I, that's what i wrote next to it i can hear the influences i don't remember what i thought those were but
1: um i don't remember what I don't remember what inspired the music. I just remember like I, I, I wrote a ton of musical ideas for for those albums, you know, for like a year. Yeah. So I just stopped I, I so I, I don't remember what inspired any musical idea. I think the lyrical inspiration, once I started writing, it sort of ended up being about just how we're so addicted to and reliant on technology and how much we take it for granted and how quickly it becomes obsolescent uh, 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 what's the word the, the planned obsolescence yes. of technology and how quickly it gets thrown into the garbage heap and we move on to the next thing and we're so we're uh what's the one line um i think no. it's just the, the lyrics something along the lines of like uh shining high on the marquee and forgotten instantly instantly sort of like this Everyone's excited about the new version of the iPhone. And then once we get it, it's like, we're just mad that it doesn't work even faster than it does. And then it, 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 you know, some small minor inconvenience. It's just, it's just like about the world of, of hyper convenience and how, how bad that is.
0: I worked with this company called Cutco. They sold knives and it was one of their things that they got these college students. They, I think they still do. And then you get college students and you'd say, here's the spiel. You're going to sell these knives to families, you know, like $800 knife sets for your kitchen. I was pretty good at it by the way. But one of the things they asked you to say was most knives are made with planned obsolescence and I (laughs) never forgot it. And it's been stuck in my brain ever since. And, uh,
1: so in the knife world what is planned obsolescence the handle comes off
0: yeah the handle comes off they never stay sharp they get to a point where like you can't even keep sharpening them anymore that was their whole
1: oh whole i see spiel. So, yeah, and if you, you bought sharpen them yourself
0: yeah and if you bought cutco one they were guaranteed for life which was kind of a lie and why i quit sorry cutco um but <laughs> like You know, it was like you would go and say, hey, look, this is the this is the homemaker set. It's eight hundred dollars, but you'll never have to buy another set in your life. And I was selling these things and I'm like 20 years old. Like, fuck, yeah, I'm doing great. This is fantastic. And then I started getting people calling me back. Customers like, dude, it's I've had it for three months and it's already dull i thought you said they never dulled and if they did you'd replace them well i tried going through cutco and they're not going to replace it blah blah anyway i got out of sales sales was not for me but <laughs> all right cool so uh dude, I, i'd love to have you back on uh again one day if you ever would love to uh if not that's cool too but uh, i like sure. to end, i love to end these things with what we call the beyond, like I said in the welcome letter, Doug Pennock talked about being abducted by aliens, so we could talk about anything crazy. Billy Sheehan talked about orbs. You ever seen a UFO? Have you ever seen Bigfoot? You ever seen a ghost? And it's okay no, I must not.
1: I, I must not have the antenna for those things because I not, really have never seen
0: any of the above. That's okay. That's good. It makes it hard for me to talk about them, though. Uh, the uh... <laughs> So (laughs) what I mean by that is that's okay because like literally, I don't know if there's an antenna or if it's just that we like, I've seen, I think I might've seen a ghost once, but I was a kid. So, I mean, that's you being a kid who knows how real that is. I've definitely seen some weird lights in the sky, but I don't can't, could have been drones before everyone knew we had drones. Who I mean, who knows? Uh, Right. I'm pretty sure I either a saw Bigfoot or it's a homeless man in the woods when I was growing up. But again, can't confirm or deny. I don't know. It was something that was making some crazy noise coming out of the woods, but well, cool, man, dude, Andy, I really appreciate you coming on and 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 dealing with me in this form in the hotel room and the crappy internet and all that stuff. You've been a real great sport and a lot of fun to talk to One last thing, because I know I missed it earlier on the on your guitar you talked about some type of nickel jumbo frets made by size queen is that right is that what you uh, no no i could i couldn't i couldn't hear jump. what you said okay i didn't know what that's that meant what,
1: that's just what me and sully call the, the jumbo frets
0: oh the size queen <laughs>
1: just, yeah i mean it's just it's just sort of uh it's our terminology i that's that's how i put it you know i said i, I want you know, I said, I've become a size queen when it comes to um, frets. Oh, so I see. So give, give me the big ones.
0: I know I like it. And so my whole reason for asking this is because I don't think I've ever really had a guitar or anything like that with really large frets. What's the what? Why do you like that? And what's the purpose?
1: Well, I didn't know about large frets until relatively late in my guitar playing journey because I'm left handed. So yeah, now I sort of cut my teeth on this guitar. This is a Stratocaster. Yep. yep. And I just played on its uh, skinny little stock frets. And they're it's it's really hard to get get your finger underneath the string to do bends when the frets are really small. Sure. Um the string gets away from you and this happens. You know.
0: Yep. Oh I do. Oh very
1: (laughs) you know, when when I came across a guitar that had large frets, um I was like, Oh, now I get it.
0: Okay. Now I get
1: now I can actually get a grip on a a note that's all the way at the bottom of the neck. And so
0: Wow, okay.
1: It it's just it makes things easier and I'm I'm kind of into that.
0: I'm into so that that's too.
1: The, you know, that's that's the main thing is for bend bending ease.
0: Right on man, you have anything you want to tell uh my very small but sometimes large it depends on who's on it audience before you go?
1: Uh, I I would just say if you've if you're still here listening, thank you and uh and thank you Ryan for oh, chatting thank with you. Me.
0: Thank you Andy. This has been a blast. It's made I mean, I think it's only Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? No, is it Wednesday? Tuesday. Whatever. It's a day of the week. Yeah. yeah. And uh it's it breaks my oil and gas job up to be able to do these in the middle of the week. So when you said I'm so glad you said this too, because I was out, I was about to take my seven hour drive to here because I live in uh Houston basically. And I was and I saw the email. I was like, Oh crap, I better grab all my stuff. That's why I brought all this junk to have fun with and it was cool or else we would have been doing it a different way. It may not have sounded as great or hell. I don't know. Maybe this won't sound as great, but it's going to be fun either way. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to hit you up again.
1: Thanks. Thanks for accommodating me.
0: Thanks for accommodating me, man. Shit.
1: (laughs) I almost knocked the whole works over here.
0: Oh, good fun. All right, brother. Um,
1: but yeah have a great night ryan and thanks, man, um too. yeah we'll, let's do it again sometime
0: absolutely i'm stoked and next time i'll be a little bit more prepared how about that yeah whatever all right brother thanks again have a great night everybody this has been the 13 i'm your host ryan 13 this has been andy black sugar we'll see you on the ne- well i'll see you on the next one and he'll come back eventually. later
1: later